All right. This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres, and I'm your host. Our special guest is Kim Saltarski. Kim has spearheaded the production of over 400 hours of inspired, original, animated, and live action family, comedy, and documentary content. His journey documenting the world of patients helping patients with medical cannabis began with his melanoma stage 3B cancer diagnosis in April of 2015. After treating himself with medical cannabis and plant-based medicine, he has been cancer-free ever since. His two medical cannabis documentary, Jack's Garage and Mend with Dignity, is his way of shining light on endocannabinoid medicine, destigmatizing its use, and deep diving into the science and politics behind it. Kim is currently working on a series feature film spin inspired by Men with Dignity and Jack's Garage, as well as other scripted television and film projects. You can check out more about Kim at www.amazingaintit.com. And you can also check out more about Jack's Garage and Mend with Dignity at jacksgaragedoc.com and mend, M-E-N-D, doc.com. So, Kim, how are you doing today? Thank you for being here, first of all. And how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm great. And, and thank you so much for the invitation. I've been really looking forward to this conversation and, uh, yeah, just getting to know you better and share my story. So thank you for that platform and the privilege of us spending some precious time together. Absolutely. And, you know, so those, those, those two documentaries, Jack's Garage and Men with Dignity, and your own diagnosis in 2015. Those two documentaries were, I, I, they were really good. They were really good. I watched one of them with my sons that were nine and six, Jack's Garage, and they watched it with me. You know what I mean? They, they mm-hmm. kept their attention is what I'm saying. And, and that was really cool. So your own melanoma 3B stage can, uh, cancer stage diagnosis in April, 2015. Do you want to start there, Kim? Because I don't know yeah, where yeah. we should start with you, man. You know, I'm, I'm thinking we should start there because it's kind of like. Yeah, well, that's my origin story in, in terms of how I, I, I viewed cannabis, which I thought previous to then, because I was just ignorant. I thought it was just a nice recreational uh, comfort drug for those who choose to use it. And those who don't, that's all, the, you know, cool with that. So I'm, I'm going along in a, in a fantastic life and I'm what I'm turning 54 that year. I'm producing oh, wow. a, a documentary uh, called If the Poet, which really just got me inspired about a very dear friend who at the age of 50 decided to put himself out there and get involved in the world of slam poetry. And he ended up having uh, do really well and hooked up with one of the world's greatest slam poets and went on to go to Paris. So, and so I'm in the middle of a great project. I've got a great wife. I've got great kids, you know, I'm in love with life and whammy, I get the phone call. Hey, you've got cancer, you know, from a little innocent mold that was on the side of my head that I asked my dermatologist to take off and Laurel, no, you know, two weeks later, you get the call that no one wants. So then your whole life just spins around, right? It's a very humbling moment to tell you've had cancer, especially melanoma. Cause that's a bit of a wild west cancer that no one really wants, especially me. So, um, you know, I knew I was in a great headspace, but we're like, what the heck caused this? What's going on? And am I going to die in six months? You know, these are, I got a full life to live. I got a lot to give, but uh, as fate would have it within a week, 
of my diagnosis and me sharing it with a very, very small circle of people because I wanted to keep it close to my heart and my circle until I could figure out how I'm going to make my way through this. A friend of a friend um, said, hey, you should talk to this other friend who cured himself of melanoma and lung cancer using uh, full extract cannabis oil. And I'm like, what? You know, uh, before that, you know, full disclosure in my teens, I'd used cannabis and enjoyed it quite a bit. But as I, I grew up and got married and raised a family, it really wasn't part of my life. I had nothing against it. It just wasn't an everyday thing for me. So I, I didn't realize that so much had progressed and that the history of the plant had been sort of suppressed for us in the sense that it was a, a healing option. So I did some research into it. And within a week, I started using uh, the medicine as preventative even before I had my surgery to verify, yes, it was stage 3B melanoma, and it was inside my body. But the great thing was it hadn't. It was such an early diagnosis, uh, it hadn't spread anywhere. So it was just sort of like, well, you got cancer. There's nothing we can quite recommend that's reasonable right now. So let's just wait and see when it spreads, and then you come back to us. Uh, but I didn't want to come back to them. I thought, okay, this is my immune system saying something's out of whack. What do I have to do? So, uh, and part of it, what I realized was I was not having great sleeps, you know, being a parent, as you well know, especially from the baby time, even when they're six and nine and more, it's not always a great sleep. Plus I've got a very active functional monkey mind that keeps me awake. So I wasn't getting good sleeps. And I think over 10 years of that fractured sleep, uh, had worn down my immune system. So anyway, so I started cannabis, helped me sleep. Uh, and here I am eight years later, uh, and I continually go to uh, get checkups. I've been cancer-free ever since. I've been using uh, cannabis as, as a maintenance dose. And through this inspiration that it worked for me, I said, how can I pay it forward? And that's what I got into. I'll use my skill of storytelling and documentary filmmaking. And that's how I came to make both of those documentaries. That's cool, man. That's very cool. So you've been doing this for a long time, storytelling with film and audio. And yeah. I want to ask you, what was it like? How like when did you know that that was what you wanted to do? And why 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 with film and audio? Yeah, well, uh, you know, it was something I sort of knew coming out of my late teens. I started writing songs and a short story. I remember I wrote a short story. I think it was grade 10. You know, so I'm in high school and I, I have a ability for academics, but by grade 10, 11, I'm not interested. I want to party and hang out with friends. Uh, and I didn't know what really my true passion was besides that, which was a very limited teenage focus, as we often all have in our early years of evolution. Uh, but I wrote a, I wrote a short story in grade 10 that my uh, English teacher said, hey, that's really cool. And this, that, and she, you know, there's like one little spark of interest. You're like, yeah, that is cool. And then I uh, ended up writing more short stories. And so then, uh, and at, at 16, I picked up my old, my mom and dad's old, you know, I think it was a regular eight movie camera, sort of making movies. And so quickly after high school, I went to college for a film and television course. And luckily enough, I graduated right into a, a job working in commercials. And I've been working in the industry with commercials, feature films, TV series, documentaries, animation for 40 years now. It's just just it turned turned out to be something that was me and then clicked. And that you know, you know, it was really cool because you had that. I, I'm, it's, it's encouraging for me to hear it because it's like you had this thing when you were a teenager mm -hmm. and it actually really was what you wanted to do. Yeah, I got <laughs> yeah, lucky. It's cool. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing. So now you were saying that um, you tried cannabis in, in high school yeah. and then it was the full extract cannabis oil that really helped you with your 
melanoma diagnosis. Yeah. And then that's what inspired the two, uh, the two films, Jack's Garage and Men with Dignity. Um, there was something in Men with Dignity and, and uh, that really caught my attention. And it was when um, it was during the introduction of it, when one of well, the, uh, I don't recall his name, but he was describing the area that they live in. And he's saying it's a really rural area mm-hmm. and it's very conservative. And there are 17 churches in this really small area and they can't agree. That's why there's so many. And he was talking about the stigma of cannabis mm-hmm. and he was talking about um, health. And he said, that uh there's a scripture came to my mind man yes. and i gotta read it because this is it, it really i believe that our god that, that my god is a god of health he wants us healthy he doesn't right. want us sick and he doesn't it, that stuff's not from him so when yeah. i heard that man say that on that documentary i thought of one of john the apostle john's letters his third one yeah. And it, if I'm going to read it for you, because it sounds exactly like what you and the people that you are having in these documentaries are doing. Mm-hmm. And so just hear me out for a second, man, please. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. But this is three John one. And this is verses one through uh, six. Beloved, I pray that in all respects, you may prosper and be in good health. A lot of people read that and they think that John's just writing a nice introduction. Mm. I think he actually mean that mean, I think he actually meant it means it or else he would not have written it. So prosper mm-hmm. and be in good health, just as your soul prospers, just as your soul prospers. For I was overjoyed when brothers came and testified to your truth. That is how you are walking in truth. I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in truth. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brothers and sisters, and especially when they are strangers, and they have testified to your love before the church. I thought mm-hmm. of that, man, because mm-hmm. that's what those people in your documentaries, and that's what you're doing. And that was that. Usually, we start off with the with with what the guest wants it like does, and then we. But after reading your 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 bio, man, it all mixes it up. And that's not bad. It's just like, that's exactly how we live. We are walking like this all the time. And it's an amazing thing that we are doing. And I am very glad that Sherry Bennett from Let's Talk Cannabis introduced us because I'm looking forward to to hearing what you have to say about some of these questions and we can have a great conversation. Yeah. Do you want to talk? Let me, can I just make a comment? Thank you for sharing that. And And I think you nailed it. And what, just to clarify, what really inspired me well, there was two things that inspired me when I was able to heal myself. One was, wow, there's the science behind this medicine. It could really help a lot of people. It's not for everyone. It's not a magic bullet. It's not going to cure 100% people, but it's something we should put at the forefront of our dietary and healing protocols. So that's good. That's kind of obvious. Anybody who finds a cure like, hey, uh, Miguel, yeah, well, I hurt my shoulder and I got this great salve. Well, what's that like? Oh, I put it on. Great. You want to share when good things happen to you. Yeah. But what really... Uh, got me and propelled me beyond that is the the love and the gratitude and the selfless sharing that men with dignity, Rob Mayhe and Gary Palliser illustrated through their for, their 
cooking classes and everything they did for free. And then people like Jack Kungel from Jack's Garage, who meets with people and shares their story openly to help heal. So I, you have to understand, I was given such an incredible example of giving and gratitude by people who helped me through this, this journey of finding the medicine, making the medicine, all this. And it was at a time when it was illegal. A lot of people, you know, for even attempting could help me, could go to jail for many, many years, unrightfully, but that was the reality. So they helped many people. So it was like, when you see that kind of love and gratitude and community, you just want to shine a light on it. And so as a storyteller, it's my job to shine the light on it. And I found something I really wanted to shine the light on it. And through that was it. So I just wanted to, I think you, you really nailed it there with the community of giving and the health. Uh, and that's what the messages of the documentary, what I'm trying to get is we have a method and some stories to help share with each other. And from this fantastic conversation that we're having, if someone gets something that's going to help them, that's great. If they, it tweaks their imagination to make them question their doctors or question themselves or question their cannabis dispensary to find out what medicine works for them, then we've really made use of this time. So, yeah. So I just wanted to add that in. So thank no, you. No, man, that's perfectly because that's exactly what the, that was the intent of, of yeah. why that that was what came to my mind. I was like, mm. and, and you, you and, and the people in the documentaries you're working with, they're doing it because mm -hmm. And the way I think when you said, it's like when you, when you, you had these people helped you, how mm -hmm. can you not shine a light on them? Mm -hmm. And this is where I see that that's not, sometimes it feels automatic to a person the way mm -hmm. it felt automatic to you, mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily automatic feel automatic to other people. And that's why it's really cool to meet people like you who, mm -hmm. who come across things in life and go, you know what, that really was that was significant in my life and i want to share it with other people and i'm going to make it a point to do that mm -hmm. and that's something really cool about people and that thing that's really amazing about you because you be you could be doing your documentaries or, and films and i know you do screenplays yeah i, I was looking at your amazing .com. you got all you you have a lot of content up there there's a lot of content and you could be choosing to do it on anything Right. And this is where it's like you've chosen to, to focus on these things and, and the, the people in these documentaries, man, I mean, they are, they are full of a lot of love. Yeah. They recognize the depth of this life and they recognize when, oh, that was the other thing. And this is one thing that, um, cause it ties right into what I'm saying. Um, the same gentleman who said that in uh, men with dignity was saying that, People of faith, he was talking about the stigma, people mm -hmm. of faith, and this could be for any religion, anybody who yeah. has stigma to it, but particularly for, for his perspective in that rural area with, with the very conservative Christian denominations all over the place. Mm -hmm. And he said, bad health or a health crisis can shake your faith. And it can, and it mm -hmm. does, and it will. Mm -hmm. And that recognition of that when he said that, I was like, and that, and that combined with what he said previously, when I, when I brought up the scripture, those two things, I forgot that second piece. Cause that was critical. Yeah. Cause that's the faith piece, right? Yes. Cause everybody can say, you know what I'm believing. And then all of a sudden they get hit with something or a family member gets hit with something and you feel kind of helpless. Right. I mean, you kind of go, you can't reach into the person and pull that cancer out of somebody or that disease yeah, yeah. out of it. Right. You're relying on other human beings with skills and you're relying on something supernatural. So 
let me ask you that. Do you rely on, do you, did you rely on anything supernatural or, or do you, do you have a belief system? Were you, let, me, let me start with this, Kim. I'm getting too far ahead of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get, were you raised with a belief system? Let's start there. Were you raised yeah. with a belief system? Yeah. Okay. Cool. That, that's a great way to start. So I was re- raised without a belief system. I was raised as an atheist. I was raised okay. by in a wonderful farming family. And for them, religion was getting out in the field every day and milking the cows and picking the vegetables and all of that. Um, you know, uh, that said, I, um, so I, re- I was raised without it. I had a wonderful set of aunts that were Jehovah Witness, and they were very kind. So they would tag me around to the door when they were doing their Jehovah Witness visits. And I was young and thought that was kind of cool. But I didn't go to any organized religion. So I sort of grew up without that. Um, mm-hmm. So I grew up what I would call, you know, somewhat spiritually stunted by that but also some very free. I was just me. We live in a very happy family involved in community. And I had a really fantastic, magical childhood growing up on the farm. But that spiritual aspect, of course, you know, growing up in North America, uh, you know, it's heavily dominated by Christians. So, you know, from television, pop culture, friends, everything, you know, I, you know, really dialed into that as much as you can on a surface level. But honestly, I didn't realize, you know, it didn't really bug me. I thought, oh, that's interesting. Uh, But it was, I had my first sort of spiritual experience in 1984 when I left Canada for the first time and went backpacking in Europe and North Africa and the Middle East for four and a half months. And I remember the first night in Amsterdam, I'm laying in bed in a youth hostel wired with jet lag. And I just knew this was going to change my life. That was just such a thrill going on that I'm going to get outside of my little 24-year-old world and what I think I know. And I went on to have one of the most incredible journeys, uh, hitchhiked through Morocco and Algeria, got exposed to Islam and shown such extreme love and gratitude by uh, uh, Muslim people there and went to the Middle East. On I got went to Bethlehem on New Year's Eve. I attended a wow. midnight mass in Bethlehem in 1984. On Christmas Day, I walked around the, the old walls of Jerusalem, like a meditation for the whole day. Oh. I went to the Wailing Wall, I, you know, the Dome of Rock was there. And so from that, it didn't convert me to anything specific, but what it did, it opened my mind to the beauty of religion, the variety of religion. And I could see how people were using it to the sort of real societal benefits and all of that. So I got a really positive buzz from that. And then it inspired me to really dig deeper. Uh, You know, a great book is Houston Smith's Religions of Man. So I studied that just to get rid of my ignorance and my, you know, like I said, spiritually spiritually stunted. And and from there, we uh, I met uh, my wonderful wife a year later. Uh, We ended up traveling again, which is to me is my religion and how I get to see the beauty of people and and become humble, really. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, you know, look at me and all this, but, uh, you know, I meet so many fantastic, wonderful people. So, and, you know, so I eventually evolved into, I would say, kind of a, a Buddhist leaning and went okay. and went up and hung out with the Dalai Lama in Dharamsala for two weeks uh, up in where he lives, McLeod Gange. And that was cool. Went to Baha'i temples. I would just go as much as I can to sponge it all up and see what makes for my evolution. So, it sort of evolved into a Buddhist thing. And then about nine years later, uh, when my first, when our daughter was born, we were looking for a spiritual foundation to give our children ourselves. And we checked out, we were living in Los Angeles at the time. We'd, we'd, we'd gone to some churches. We'd gone to the self-realization fellowship, a whole bunch of stuff. Anyway, we ended up turning in uh, and following a Unitarian Universalist found, uh, congregation in Santa Monica. And we've been 
Unitarian Universalist ever since, which is a non-credo, very liberal religion that sort of is based on inclusivity uh, and the inherent worth and dignity of every person. So, you know, in our faith con- congregation, uh, you know, you, we could have, it's mostly atheists, humanists, but there's Christians, Muslims, and all of that. So, that's my very long-winded answer to your question. No, that's no. Hey, no, no, no. You see, that's just it, man. That's long. Don't worry about being long-winded because that's what this one's about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it, and it was A to B to C to D, and here we are today. And I'm still, you know, in awe and trying to figure out what happens next. What am I doing now? And what? How can I be the best person and inspire people? to find their best self. And if they can latch on to some specifics to elevate themselves through uh, Christianity, Judaism, Unitarianism, whateverism, do it, but, you know, do it. So it's not just for you, how you live your life is for other people too. So uh, I have this immense respect for people who, who do the right thing and have a faith tradition that makes them even better. So you said you, it's not just how you live your life. It's how you live your life for other people too. And, and that's, mm-hmm. that's an important recognition. Cause I have young boys and I'm trying to teach them that they need to, <laughs> they need to think of other people, man. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> they need to think of each other. They need to think of the family. It's like, no, you live here too. You see that on the floor, just like I do. You can pick that <laughs> one up, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And that's not always easy, man. That's, no. a, that's that. And that's what I started realizing. Like as a parent, I'm like, wow, we still do this stuff as adults. I'm mm-hmm. doing all this to try to train him to not do it, but are we do it ourselves even as adults? So, hey, man, how, who did you do this backpacking trip with? Uh, the first two months I did it by myself, which was the ultimate. By yourself, seriously, because that yeah. no, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I was like, I wonder who you went with. You did it by yourself for the first two months? Yeah, yes, which was great. And I met so many cool, wonderful people. And then when we did the North Africa thing, one of my dear friends, uh, uh, Martin Parker Earl, Marty Earl, we hooked up in Barcelona and then we ended up hitchhiking down to Morocco and then crossing through Algeria and Tunisia. And I said goodbye to Tunisia. And then I ended up going to Jordan and Israel slash Palestine by myself too. So it gave me a lot of independence and made me grow with friends I still have today that are mind blowing. Like in fact, uh, one of my good friends, Dan Bradford, who I met in a beach in Thailand in 1989, he just spent a week at our place in Florida together. You know, we've been traveling and interacting ever since. So yeah, solo travel, highly recommended, but also traveling with a dear friend was incredible. And then when my wife and I got married, we said like, oh yeah, we could put a down payment on a house or we could take the money and backpack around the world for a year. So we did that. And that was the ultimate to have a honeymoon for a year nonstop together with a backpack. That's a real test of a marriage and it worked out great. And it's one of the I, highlights of our marriages. Our marriage. I'm happy to hear it, man. That is, yeah. that's, that's amazing, man. That's stuff that people dream about. Kim. Yeah. That's literally so, the stuff people like yeah. dream about doing literally. That's yeah, amazing. It was fantastic. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So, um, your parents are both atheists. Mm-hmm. Rural Canada, and yep. you you now go to a Unitarian. Yeah. And what do you believe about um, the, okay, see, there's, now I'm a little bobbled up because we got these questions. And we usually, we, you know what I mean? That we have the front half of the questions and the back half of the questions. Yeah. We're kind of doing a little bit in reverse, but that's yeah, the way yeah. it's going. And that's cool. Shaking it up. So we're going to do this. What do you think about this all the the universe and life all the life in it what do you think is it the result of a series of accidents or is there an intelligent designer behind it wow yeah i love that question because i i 
you know, I, I, it, to me, it's both. And I'm trying to figure out how I can even justify that. I think, you know, if you just look at the hard science of the evolution of the earth and uh, how it went through, you know, that seems like, oh, okay, we're just apes in underwear with microphones uh, on us today. That's how we evolved. But I'm, you know, as sure as I can be sure, which I'm not 100% sure, because we won't know until the next phase comes on. But I have, you know, I've had experiences and feelings that, you know, I see our bodies as a, as a beautiful car, you know, and, and someday we're going to, like our cars are going to fall apart. We're going to have to get rid of the engine and it's going to shut down. But I think when the car shuts down, our souls uh, go on. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm leaning into reincarnation. I, I like that idea, you know, but whether there's a heaven or a nirvana uh, of something where our souls go on, I, you know, it's hard for me to believe in this chunk of earth that uh, we're just going to go back into uh, back into earth. I think our bodies will, but I think our souls move on. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but I'm looking forward to that next ride. Not that I want to accelerate it, <laughs> but when it comes, yeah, I what you're saying. There's a curiosity. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I really want to see what that's like, but I'm yeah. not in a rush. Yeah. And I, and I, uh, you know, having been expo- exposed to no religion and then a bunch of religions, it was curious for me that I didn't latch on to one in particular Unitarian Universalism gives you a lot of, you know, it's sort of, you know, it, it's all about justice, equity, uh, free and responsible shirts for truth and meaning and all of that. But within it, it gives us a chance to be like, no, I, I believe in Christ and all of that. No, I don't believe in Christ. I believe in this science aspect, but I believe that we need to help each other's community. So it turned out to be the perfect thing for me as I evolve. Like I'm 61 years old and I'm still figuring it out. And I feel like now I'm coming into stride. And I don't want to forget that question. I want to be curious, but I, I sort of have comfort in this beautiful moment. You know, I'm alive. I, I beat cancer. I'm still contributing to the world. I'm still a good father. I'm still a good husband. Always areas for improvement. And that you and I can hang out today and shine a little bit of light out there that might bring a smile, uh, an inspiration to someone, or get people to question themselves, to reaffirm their faith or question their faith, just to do a little adjustment on the on the on the road. Yeah, that's cool. And I think I do understand what you're saying. You said when, and let me make me sure I let me make sure I understand it. Mm-hmm. You said I, a little bit of both, and you're just like, I'm not sure how that can be because yeah. I know that there are there are Christians who believe in evolution. They, yeah. they they don't believe in the creation story. They believe in that that creation story came by way of evolution. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm I'm not I'm not one to be like wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> you know, what I mean? it's just yeah. like we can believe all these different things and still be and still show love to one another you know what mm-hmm. i mean that that's the whole point of it so i want to make sure i understand so you said um and so because i think I, I that's why i'm saying i understand i can understand when you say it's a little bit of both and mm-hmm. and, I, and i've heard some people say well no it's one or the other and i was kind of like, well a lot of people believe a lot of different things and and i do know that that a lot of people do believe in something beyond this life like a life after this life mm-hmm. But they're just not sure about how this life came to be yet. You have the creation story of Christianity. You have the creation story mm-hmm. of a bunch of different religions, mm-hmm. and even uh, uh, secular. You know, whether mm-hmm. it was yeah. the Big Bang and what caused that, what caused the Big Bang, and how did how did the complexity of all this stuff come from that? It's kind of all the same story when I think about it. Right? Mm-hmm. It's just being told through different perspectives, I guess. You know, and. And that's why it, that when you said it, it sounds kind of contradictory or something like that, it's like, no, it actually makes sense. I, I completely get it. And, um, and that's cool. All right, man. 
So let me ask you this one. I heard you say reincarnation. Mm -hmm. That maybe you're not sure if it's a heaven or a nirvana or some type of thing like that, but you're curious. And that's a cool thing because we're both talking. We're, we're I think we're both here because we're both seekers, right? We're both, mm, we're yes. both seeking stuff. We both, we both are seeking things. So you do believe in life after this life. Do you believe that? What, what are your, what are your thoughts and beliefs on any type of payment to that's due upon death? Like, like, is there a payment for, so I'm not, I've, I've studied some Hinduism and some Buddhism and, uh, but the way I understand, I want to understand what the way you're understanding of it is when, when you think of a life after this life is, is there a payment when you die? And, and then, or what are your thoughts on that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of, of uh, the concept of karma that our, our deeds throughout our life um, are being tracked in some cosmic way. And so at, uh, at, at the uh, passing of our life energy from this body, uh, I think the cleanliness of our energy or whatever our essence or soul is will help determine uh, where we go next and what life we go into or what, you know, forever after we, we evolve into. So, yeah, I'm, I'm big on, on karma. Uh, and I, I think that's a, a great thing to hang on to because it makes us responsible you know, uh, you know, karma and forgiveness are two beautiful things. Uh, you can't go around, you know, because God knows we've all made some mistakes and and maybe spoken out of turn or, or or done things to hurt people. Maybe sometimes intentionally to deal with our own hurt or unintentionally through our ignorance and uh, pride or whatever gag was going on. But karma is, is a great thing of uh, reckoning to know. Just you know, keep it in check. You know, and you may have been a uh, done wrong and been a bad person in the past, but you can, you know, you can undo that from good action forward. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of karma uh, and I'm and that guides me uh, along the way. And it'll be interesting to see uh, how, how it all adds up when I, uh, my last breath is drawn. Right. On. So, so what do you, so, do you do you think there's a payment upon death or do you think there's or do you think is what do you what are your thoughts on that and what do you mean by payment on death do you think there, you know, there's a reckoning or yeah you know, like you know from um you know if, i guess so you you looked at uh, islam and judaism yeah. and christianity like through the abrahamic faiths yeah and judaism and islam both require uh earning their way into heaven so there, yeah. there's 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 the two yeah, yeah. I understand what you're talking about with uh, the concept of nirvana and and yeah. and, uh, and not having a heaven or hell, but uh, a transitionary place where you yeah. before you reincarnate into the next life. Yeah. So when I say a payment, and and I kind of that's why I'm curious about because I know some people who believe in karma, I'll still think that there's a payment, but and that's why I was curious what your thoughts were because when, you know you, you you're i'm sure you're familiar with the with the abrahamic faith right it's yes it's like you do it's the so you gotta earn your way into heaven if not yeah. you're gonna burn yeah and that's it and and that's why i'm curious is to is any of that influence i i think so i mean you you can't have uh, a karma karmic uh deed tally without the end it being you know, sorry you can't go into door number three that's a sweet door but boy <laughs> You, you didn't earn door number three. You can sort of wallow in the mud in door number one. And then, you know, maybe next time get in door number three. Uh, 
so yeah, so whether it's entering through a ways or it's it's what path you end up landing in the next one, I, I think there's uh, you know there's definitely our actions uh, will have some kind of toll effect on on how and where we go next. And uh, can I say that hundred percent? No, I don't know. God, you know. Yeah, but but, you know what, you but what that I my foundational belief sort of guides me through that just to keep me in check, you know, to keep me honest. And I know uh, I may not go through that magical door number 10, but I'm going to try to get up closer to that and, and do good and hope in the remaining years of my life, I don't forget what I keep telling myself through my stories, through my songs and through what I try to get across in my movies. It's just be a good person, right? Be a, be of value, live by example. Uh, and so that karmic tally Calling at the end there, I think that keeps us in check. Yeah, so I do believe there's a reckoning and a and a and a, and a price to pay. Whether it depends on how well the next transition and journey goes, and and the fact that you care about it says a lot of things. Like like then we can then we take this and go. Okay, now Ken's been doing this for decades, yeah, and he's shining lights on things that that other people that 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 are helping other people mm-hmm. you know what i mean this is where it's kind of like this is where what you're saying is actually manifest you've manifested this with your life right you've been yeah. doing this these these all, a lot of this work i mean you're you're helping you're shining that light man and that's and that's i, I ask it's kind of like it's i mean having grown up atheist that's yeah. that's interesting because i heard you say spiritually stunted and i yeah. and i i understand i think i understand what you mean but at the same time you said well it's also kind of like a like i was, I was also kind of freed up in a way to to explore all these other things and that part I don't, that's where it's kind of like you know i don't know if i'd call you i spiritually stunted sounds kind of harsh to me kim it yeah, sounds yeah. kind of you've been going a little hard on yourself man but yeah, I, yeah. I can understand what you're saying when when you look back and kind of go well i didn't i didn't have that exposure at that age of my developmental years but i'm still developing now yeah and that's and that's the point and that's and now to tie that back into what you're just saying, you're like, well, I'm 61 and, and I still need, I want to remind myself of these things that, hey, you know, these things matter in life. These things matter in life. And, you know, I keep, you, you, I think you are around the third or fourth person in a row that I've talked with that, that um, speaks to legacy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's kind of what you're what you're saying yeah. is the legacy piece of it, and that's and that I think is really important because I think too often, and and you know, we're both young men, teenagers, yeah. right? Legacy yeah. was not on our mind. No, right? no. <laughs> and this is what I find, still find fascinating about you. It's like even at that young age, you knew you wanted to do something with storytelling and, mm-hmm. and audio and video and these things, and you did it, and you are still doing it. And that's why I'm like, wow that's like a calling in life, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. It is a calling. Life. It yeah. really is. It's, it's a calling and that's, that's a gift. That's the way I do it. It's like, there's a gift mm-hmm. and there's just, people are just really unique in all these different ways. And is there anything that you want to um, talk about that you might have coming up in the future for your projects or anything? Yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a book. I'm going to start writing it likely next month. I think it's called my amazing cancer healing journey. Or the other subtitle is almost everything you wanted to know about healing yourself with cannabis and a plant-based medicine, but we're too sick, scared, and misinformed to ask. So uh, it's sort of my way to shine my light a little bit back on me to tell my story from when you said, hey, so you had cancer and that's how you got into this? 
uh, in a little bit of background, even some of the stuff we got into, like for me being an ex-farm boy is a big deal. I feel like it gave me such a, a beautiful foundation, but really the book, what it does is talks about my journey and my journey is only possible through the kindness of all the other healers, the patients helping patients who came before me and, and uh, helped uh, share, share the information. So I've been as part of my journey, I've been done two full documentaries. Uh, I've collected all these recipes and information and stories about all these incredible people. I've been had the privilege to share their stories. So I'm going to throw it all into a book as a how-to personal guide of, hey, this is how it happened to me. This is of use to you. So that probably will take nine months and maybe we'll have another discussion in a year when we have a launch and I'll certainly get you a copy. Uh, so that's that going on cool. on a personal level, sort of to shine the light back on me. But I'm just a vehicle for all these other incredible people who've helped me and I can, sh you know, show them. And then I'm working on a uh, either a feature film or series spin based on my medical cannabis documentaries where I want to follow it from the very first time a patient, a fellow human walks through the door of a healer and track their whole journey. Uh, so I'm talking to a lot of broadcasters now about that. Uh, so those are the two things. Plus, I've got, other, you know, my whole TV, you know, commercial TV and film side, writing movies, pitching TV things. But my real passion is uh, my documentaries and helping people destigmatize, understand the medical benefits of cannabis and if it might work for them. So that's the, the main thing I'm on and having fun. And I, I play music, release music. So I'm just having a good time. That's cool, man. And you have been cancer free for the last since uh, you were diagnosed in 2015. It's yeah, right yeah. Now. So six, eight, I'm coming up on eight years. Yeah. March 13th, I think is when I got the call. So we're coming up on that. So that's great. So, and, and for me, I want to make it clear what I discovered on my journey is cannabis is just one of the elements, you know, uh, a vegetarian or vegan diet, uh, low carb, no sugar is really essential to help stop feeding cancer. Uh, exercise is essential. We've got to move. So I'm a, a Qigong practitioner. I, I want to take a become uh, a certified instructor. So I love movement for that. I swim, I run, I kayak. So you got to have, you got to have motion to be healthy. You know, let's, right. you know, got to stay fit. Right. Uh, and uh, you got to look at the third element uh, besides diet and what's going on in your immune system is you got to get rid of the toxins in your life, you know? Uh, so that can come down to maybe the brand of toothpaste, underarm deodorant, the detergent you use, you know, we're in a very toxic world. So you know, have a look at that for yourself. And then ultimately, and I was lucky, I was, that's why I'm so blessed. I wasn't involved in a lot of toxic relationships, but the people, some of the people who I documented in my documentaries can definitively swear that once they got rid of toxic relationships, whether that be work, friends or spouses or whatever, and, and they were able to deal with some of the ghosts of their past, uh, that was one of the essential keys. So to me, when I tell my healing story and when I, people come to me and, and share some of their cancer issues and I, you know, sort of guide them on a way, or they'll come to me and I'll have a little impression. I, you know, I talk about those foundations, diet, uh, emotional causes of cancer and how cannabis, uh, can be helpful. So, you know, that's sort of part of my thing is promoting that whole body, holistic, uh, homeostasis. So there was, uh, <clears throat> I think you were talking about Jack's garage when you're talking yeah. about the toxic relationships. Yeah. I remember that from his, I remember that from that, from that uh, documentary. That was good. Yeah. And uh, what kind of, do, do you, are you looking at to, uh, to look at some, cause there's, 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 I can't help, but when I see the documentaries, I see like spirituality, 
all over it too right because this, yeah like this is this is getting like this is this is getting uh, more beyond the material right are you looking to do anything with um mindsets or beliefs or belief systems as to how people come into these toxic relationships because i know a lot of times people believe that for whatever reason or not we all believe something about ourselves or this life or something mm -hmm. about our future and our destiny that kind of almost wants to self-sabotage those yeah. thoughts that come up you know what i mean so as you're dealing with these people and they're man they, they have these physical manifestations and it's life and death do you got you plan on uh do you, do you think what, do you, what are your thoughts about about that um yeah yeah you know I, I am a you know i'm definitely a, a spiritual seeker and i think you know in some ways but i've never really called myself until now i'm a healer in the sense that i can heal people with stories and maybe a good conversation I'm, I'm a great listener that's why i'm really good at interviewing people just like you you know we're really we're having a beautiful flow conversation this is like it's magic you know um the the one thing i wanted to say that what really inspired me too of, of, about that was so i've done five major documentaries and i'm very proud of and i'll I'll call them, they're all, uh, the main theme is they're all about human beacons. And a human beacon is someone who is shining their light, sharing their truth, going through some kind of journey and coming out the other side in a way that we, wow, that's pretty good. I, I could see where they messed up and I want to be more like them now. So my first one was If the Poet, which I referenced, uh, and that is a, a, a 50 minute documentary. It's available on Amazon uh, and Vimeo on demand. Uh, and the magical thing about that, sure, it was like, oh, it's a guy who's 50. Oh, look, he's kind of old. He's in with all these young hip people. Yeah, so that's a nice hook, and people might watch it for that. But what it really was about a person, uh, Ian French, a.k.a. If the Poet, who in his early years, he was a troubled, troubled teen, ADHD, in and out of jails, five different high schools. He was just on, on, the, on the way to prison, right? And he had this revelation that he reveals in the film that he, he just had, it was like, He's like, one thing he's like, wow, he realized all of his thoughts were feeding his past actions. So if he changed his self-perception of himself, because even, you know, when you're a little kid, you're not doing well in school. Hey, you're crappy. Get the over there. Hey, you're a troublemaker. Get out of here. You know, when he wasn't treated with the love and respect and understanding because he didn't fit the mold, he was, he was conditioned to believe he was a piece of crap. And so That's he started acting out like That's it, right? Something similar to that. That's exactly what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, and so then, then he had a turn, and then he just said, "No, if I think of positive and don't see myself," and he transformed his life. He's like one of the most incredible, gifted people. Had a very successful uh, uh, advertising company that he ran. A beautiful relationship, a son, and his whole motto was uh, "No fear, only love." And that happened. I was shooting with him uh, for a year and a half during my cancer uh, a diagnosis and in self-treatment and he was like a beacon to me he 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 just he just led me to the light right and it was like okay yeah let's just let's keep love first and foremost for others and for yourself and that really goes so carrying that thread through and if you look at mend with dignity at the end rob says you know you want to know what this is about turn your camera around and on the on the wall he's got a big sign that says love this is what love is. Love is healing yourself and healing others without condition. That's cool, man. That's cool. So now I want to ask you about this part. I'm going to, I'm going to 
pull a little bit out of the spirituality and get a little bit more of the material side because yeah. you say I treated myself. Did you seek any per, uh, medical treatment for your cancer diagnosis or did you do this all on your own? Uh, so I went, um, I went to Princess Margaret Hospital here in Toronto, which is one of the top cancer clinics, right? So that's where I had all my diagnostic diagnostic work done where they you know did a remove the mole from my head did a couple little surgeries uh in my neck to find out had the melanoma gone through the skin membrane into there and they verified yes but on a very minor level which was great i just caught it uh so i used them throughout uh the first five years you know for cat scans blood tests to, to verify i had not spread they, because the cancer had not spread and was somewhere they couldn't offer chemo radiation because really nothing was wrong. They're just waiting for it to get wrong. They did offer two treatments that I declined. One was to cut me uh, ear to ear and remove all my lymph nodes, Ooh. which sounded very dramatic. And he said, you might, you might talk like this for the rest of your life. And I'm like, okay, cool. So you're going to do that. And I'm hundred percent cured. He said, no, I said, okay, so I'm 75% cured. No. So I'm 50% cured. No. I said, well, why am I doing this like super invasive surgery? Because I need lymph nodes. They're 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 there yeah. part of our lymphatic system. He couldn't yeah, give me a good answer, so I passed on that. Uh, and then there was another experimental thing where they're going to sh- bring me in the hospital and uh, inject me every day for one month, and it'll be the worst month of my life. And then I go home for once a week, shoot myself up. It'll be like having a flu for eleven months. But so that was an ex- the injection was like a chemo like a chemo. Well, yeah, some uh, kind of specialty drug, super okay. experimental. And I said, that doesn't sound fun because I just said no, because at that point I was already convinced in my brain that the natural plant-based medicine. So I went vegan. Uh, I, you know, I started getting sleep and I know that the endocannabinoid system that cannabis is feeds and is all part of uh, is, a, you know, when you targeted properly, it, it's what kills cancer cells and boosts your immune system. So that's my long winded way that I had really fantastic care at the hospital, you know, great staff. I just found their viewpoint of how to treat me very limited. And luckily I found an alternative that works. So I didn't have to go back to them for anything. So I go once a year. Now they scan me, they look at me and go, wow, you're amazing. Oh, yes, I am. Uh, you know, so good. You look good, Kim. You look fantastic, man. You look good. I feel great. So uh, they just had nothing to offer. So I went completely with, um, with cannabis and diet and love. And what, um, do you want to talk, can you talk about some of the ways you're using the cannabis? Yeah. So I back, this was back in the day when Rick Simpson, the uh, granddaddy of do it yourself, uh, cannabis, uh, was the way to go. So I did the protocol with the full extract cannabis oil, which is, you know, has about 70 to 80% cannabis. Uh, I did 60 grams in 90 days. That was the old school back when that's all that you did. So I pumped my body through that. I, I, I couldn't do it orally because it got me so high and um, sleepy. So I did a combination oral and suppository. Suppositories are a great way to use medicine if you want to negate the high. I don't really? mind so the high. Yeah. To, to negate the high, really? Yeah, yeah. Because it bypasses the liver. Uh, you only get about a 10 to 15% high compared to being completely out of your mind, sleeping in a bed uh, for 18 hours. So I went that route and it worked. Uh, I continued to do that in a maintenance dose. I do decarb capsules, which is just taking beautiful, uh, clean, fine cannabis bud, putting it in an oven for 240 degrees at 45 minutes. It turns it from THC Delta A to THC Delta 9. That's the stuff that heals. I take a little capsule at night. That's great. Sometimes I'll vape. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much my protocol. So I did the full-on Rick Simpson that we now know 
um, isn't for everyone. Like some people do the 60 grams in a year. Some people do a gram a day for the rest of their life. Jack Kungle from Jack's Garage does about eight grams a day, which seems insane to me. I do about uh, three grams a month now, you know. So anyway, so it works. So it, uh, yeah, so I, it was such early stage and nothing they had to offer made sense to me. And I found another path that worked for me. Right on, right on. Um, so that's, that's, that's a, how, how receptive were, and I'm just curious because I've, I've talked with many people from Canada and, and, and some of much of the opinion on, um, and on, this is the same thing with the States too. Yeah. Um, much of the opinion on many healthcare providers, PCMs, primary care, uh, um, providers is, uh, that they don't really want to mess with cannabis. They don't, and and that's for 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 and and for the U.S. I get it; it's legal. It's, they got that federal one, that yeah. federal schedule one note attached to it. But in Canada, it's fully legal all the way around, medicinal, recreational. What what and what's been the different? Have you seen an improvement from the time that you, and from 2015 and now, to medical practitioners being more open to discussing cannabis with patients, or what kind of movements do you see there? I, I think slightly, you know, I, I applaud Canada in 2018 to legalize it federally, but the huge thing they did that is just, you know, a crime is that they sort of abandoned the medical aspect and just doubled down on recreational because they thought it'd be a cool cash cow. They also rigged the system. So a lot of people in political favor and higher up, some of them who, you know, even just years before were putting people in prison for cannabis use. Uh, we're starting to profit. So we turned it, it turned in from a revolutionary medical breakthrough that we can all share now and use recreationally if we want to relax and get high and find an alternative to alcohol and tobacco or whatever turns you on. Uh, they sort of ignored that. And I think it's even gotten worse for medical patients uh, because the supply initially, when it came out, it was a rush for recreational people and the medical uh, patients were, you know, left with less material to pick from, still outrageous prices, and still Health Canada to this day has a limited uh, view of what they're teaching and allowing uh, cannabis doctors to say it can and can't do. So uh, I'm a bit of a critic of what they're doing now, and they need to be held to account. And so my story is sort of just go ahead and say, hey, this is what, when we do it ourselves, this is how we do it. Uh, you know, I'm a, I have a big respect for science. Uh, I understand that my documentaries may tell the story of 30 different people who had incredible uh, success and a few who died using it uh, or died through, you know, other uh, circumstances while they, they were trying had, to. They already had. I'm thinking of, I mean, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of. Uh... Um, Carol, woman, yeah, yeah. Carol from Jack's Garage, where yeah. she had, she had, I think, single-digit weeks to live. I think it was. I, I may yeah, not be so she, correctly. Yeah. So what it, you know, what it is, and I make it perfectly clear. This is not. This is not the magic bullet. This is not going to work for everyone. You, you, and I, whatever, may be the same build. Whatever. We have a totally different. You know how we'll react to cannabis, and I don't know what's going on in your head. And what's going on mind and then you know a bit of dna history and all of that but mm. you know in in jack's garage which i encourage everyone to watch it it, it to be a spoiler is there you know he, he tried to help his male lady who came to him with ovarian uh, stage four ovarian cancer already had her stomach lining removed and done chemo and was going in again and he really tried to help her but it it wasn't enough and i'm not going to blame the 
previous treatments. I'm not going to blame cannabis for not working. She just passed away, you know, but she passed away. One of the beauties that we have to also understand the magic uh, or the science and benefits of cannabis is not just to extend our life and make our life more beautiful. It is a great end end of life care. So instead of pumping yourself up on opiates, you know, get yourself full of uh, full extract cannabis oil to go out calmly, beautifully and lucidly and without pain and side effects of constipation, and all the other things. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So we don't all get out alive and sometimes cannabis can help us in that route too. Amen. I agree. I agree completely. Can you, what is your understanding of the difference between for, for listeners who may be hearing this for the first time, what is your understanding of the difference between Rick Simpson oil and the full extract cannabis oil? Well, I, I uh, yeah, that, that's, it's an interesting, a lot of different opinions in the community. So my, my thing is it's the same thing. It's just that now we're not calling full extract cannabis oil, Rick Simpson oil. So Rick Simpson oil, it's full extract cannabis oil, which was known as weed oil or hash oil back in the seventies. You may have seen it. It's a thick tar like substance that a pound of bud when extracted using solvents uh, can go down to 60 grams of oil. So, uh, and Rick Simpson popularized it and, you know, he's amazing. I had a chance to interview him and thank him personally, because it was his protocol that I, that led me on this path. The, the, the challenges with Rick is that he, he stuck with the same recipe, same protocol. And the, the element that he promotes that I no longer promote and most in the community don't promote is making the full extract cannabis oil with uh, Napa uh, fuel. So he's making it with a kind of a toxic solvent that if done properly, properly, you know, you can get most of it out. But uh, the way I make oil personally for myself and um, and others that promote it is using, uh, you know, like 94% proof alcohol has less poisons in it. So Rick Simpson oil and FICO oil, full extract cannabis oil is the same to me. Some maybe will say, oh, no, no, Rick Simpson oil is the stuff making with Napa fuel. So don't use that. Uh, so it's becoming a more of a common uh, element now to not use the term Rick Simpson oil. And Rick didn't invent that. It was a, a fan of his or a contemporary of his to say, hey, it's Rick Simpson oil, because he was the one ballsy enough back in the early 2000s in this little town in Nova Scotia to heal himself and hear, heal hundreds of others. And then within three years, he went to the government of Canada with a whole stack of, of evidence and doctors. And he thought, like, this is great. Like, in a year, we're going to have cancer cured. They just shut him down and said, thank you very much, got rid of him, sort of targeted him, and he had to go in exile to uh, Croatia. So, And he recently had a stroke, but here he's recovering. So we, we owe a lot to Rick Simpson, but we also owe a lot to ourselves to follow the people that have evolved and question it, just like you know, I should question maybe how I make it the next time I talk to somebody else. You know, It's ever learning. So yeah. to me, it's the same, but sometimes people uh, associate Rick Simpson oil uh, with the type of solvent used in making full extract cannabis oil. Okay. Right on. Right on. So you're actually making your own oil right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a the great thing. At, so not to completely bad mouth Canada, but now I have a <laughs> medical license for cannabis. I, I grew up in Michigan. I love Canada. We would, yeah. my, I, I, we, we had friends in Canada Yeah, and we would go to London, Ontario and visit them. And they would come visit us, and and yeah, I, and, you know, I, I love Canada, but just I've just got to. Uh, I know, so I get it. I get sometimes sounds like that way because it sounds like I haven't said anything good. I've been complaining yeah. a lot, but here's the thing: we're both happy citizens in our nation. Yeah, we are both grateful. Yes, we both believe that things could be better. Yeah, 
Yeah. And so part of them making it better for me, it was allowing me a license to grow my own. So I have a license to grow 28 indoor plants. So I'm completely self-sufficient. So the ultimate empowerment, and that's what Jack's Garage and Men with Dignity is, is that we're in a day and age where you get sick, you don't know anything, you just got to go to the pharmacy. Like we've been trained not to be self-sufficient anymore. So when you enter an endocannabinoid cannabis healing and take, like it can eliminate a ton of pharmaceuticals. I mean, that's all I use is just cannabis. I don't use any pharmaceuticals, you know, I'm, I'm awesome. Uh, and it prevented cannabis uh, cancer from spreading in me, which is great. So I have, uh, yeah, so I got the legal right to grow it and, uh, and I know how it's made and I'm uh, grateful today. I want to do a little shout out to uh, Stephen Lumpy Lausanne, who was one of the featured people in Jack's Garage, who cured his MS using cannabis. Uh, he's the master grower that taught me it's his birthday today. So we owe a wow. lot of gratitude to, to Lumpy for all that he shared uh, and that too, and all that I've learned. So I'm self-sufficient. So I, I make my own, I grow my own medicine and I make it. So that's, I'm very lucky that I had the knowledge to meet people. I have the means uh, to gr- throw up a couple little grow tents and I have the patience and love to nurture these plants. So you have an extraction machine or do you take it somewhere else to have it extracted? Yeah, I have what, you know, it's often called the uh, green oil machine. It's okay. like a little still that you can buy, but I wouldn't buy the green oil machine because it's really just, uh, you can, you know, on Amazon or whatever, just look for a distiller, actually look for the green oil machine and then go to Amazon to look for it. And you find it for half the price because the green oil machine people just stuck the green oil machine sticker on it and added one little screw and they charge twice as much as you can get it at Walmart or Amazon. Uh, So, yeah. So so I just make it with that and the 94% proof alcohol. It's still very tricky and you got to know exactly how to finish it off. So you have the least amount of solvent left in there. Uh, So, yeah, I'm independent. That was the final frontier you know, to grow in it. But if you want to tell people that if it's too complicated for you to get a green oil machine or worry about that, all you got to do is take your beautiful bud, put it in the oven, uh, in a bag or on a a tray, ground up uh, uh, 240 degrees for 45 minutes, put it in little capsules there. You got the THC going in you. It's not as potent as the full extract cannabis oil, but it's a great entry point. Uh, to get the medicine inside you without a lot of fuss and muss. That's the decarboxylation that you're talking yes. about. Basically, yeah. um, to get, you want to explain it? You, you, you should yeah, explain yeah. it. So it's, you do it. You, I know you. Yeah, know like, it, it, like if you took a, a joint or, a, you know, uh, in there and you ate it, you don't get high from that because the, the only reason we get high using cannabis is when we apply heat, when it goes over 340 degrees. So when you smoke it, uh, Smoking is a very good medical use for instant pain relief, but you're, you're burning away 80% of your product. You're only really getting the THC. So the other 500 plus compounds that are endocannabinoids that are so essential for our bodies to be fully functional in, in homeostasis, they get thrown away. So it's not, you know, it's kind of fun and it could be effective for uh, acute pain things, but I don't recommend that as a, uh, as, as, as a primary way for, for, for medical, um, Sorry, I lost track of where I was going on this. No, we were talking about, um, I I do that too. I do that too. Um, Oh, yeah, I was explaining. Oh, yeah, yeah. So decarboxylation. Decarboxylation, yeah, sorry. (laughs) So uh, anyway, so so basically you got to add heat. You need heat. You could go eat a marijuana plant. Nothing's going to happen to you. It's actually just going to make it, you know, you're not going to get high. So if you add heat, so 
in, in the oven, when you're adding heat, you're doing it before it combusts. So you're converting it, the compound from THC to THC Delta-9. Delta-9 is the one that you get high. It's the one that kills cancer. It's the one that can heal. So that's why. So it's a very uh, passive, easy way for everyone to decarb their cannabis. I put in little size zero veggie uh, capsules that you can get at, you know, at any health food store and get it on Amazon. Uh, and then you can control the dosing for it. So it's just getting THC and all the other good stuff in you without having to get a green oil machine and figuring all this out. If you can get full extract cannabis oil, great, understand how to dose it. But decarbing cannabis bud is a real easy man. Everybody can get into the game and see if it works for you. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So you're growing your own plants, yeah. making your own oils. Yeah. And, and here's the thing about it is that you have the option to do that. And that's amazing. I like yes. that option. I right now in the state of Florida, can't grow anything. Yes. So it's kind of like, you know, I would right now, I, I would, when they, when the state of Florida finally does it, I, I will give it a try because you're going to spend that money on something anyway, you know, yeah. you're going to spend it at the dispensary, you're going to spend it on something that you're producing yourself. And I think that's what Kim was trying to say is that if it is too complex for you, don't let it be a showstopper because you yeah. can still get what you need. But if you do want to do it, it's not as complex as it may seem. Yeah. And, and the, and the real thing is go low and slow. Don't, you know, whatever the dose someone recommends, maybe do half. You'll be probably disappointed. It has no effect on you, but you just never know where your starting point is for a good dose level. They are, and I'm super excited by all the science being thrown at this. They're now you can get a DNA test to find out the status of your endocannabinoid system. So you might know like, oh yeah, you're going to start at this dose, one full gram a day. You're like, cool. Or like, oh, Miguel, you know, you got to start at a quarter or you're like, oh, that's good to know. Because what can happen <laughs> is cannabis, besides the stigma and the, and the mental negativity that are, could be associated with it, depending on your upbringing and your, what you're conditioned to believe, uh, you know, you got you to be careful because you don't want to green out and get sleepy and have a bad experience on a plant that could potentially should be. And what, how I use it is a daily diet supplement that maintains my health, helps me sleep. Uh, and helps me be my better self. Right on. That's cool. And that is that perspective shift is um, it's significant. I mean, the way the way the way you described it, it's like yeah, that's it, that's it. And but that is it, man. It's like it yeah. is something. It is a dietary thing. The endocannabinoid is the master regulator of the homeostasis yeah. Yeah. of the human body. Yeah, and that's huge. And that is huge. And, th and that's the kind of thing I'm just like, wow. It's really amazing to meet people like you and then also meet people like you who are doing more, as you said, to shine a light on yeah. all these great stories and all these things that people are doing. That's pretty cool, Kim. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It, it, it turned into my second calling, as it were, you know, the creative thing. And then I was able to focus creative thing. And, you know, I see this is as spiritual as it gets, you know. It is. It, this is it. And, and it's life and death. And that's that's the thing. It's like that's what makes it that's what makes it deeper. Yes. I'm trying to find the right word for, it, you know, but that's what, that's what pulls those deeper things out of people. It's like mm -hmm. when you're faced with life and death, you're faced with, you're not, you're looking at a limited number of mornings. You're looking yeah, at yeah. a limited number of time and you have yeah. these relationships and you have these things in your life, these things we believe and things we, we, we thought were true. And I'm thinking of, of, uh, on, or was it Andre the poet? Uh, if the poet, if the poet, yeah. and uh, and that 
those kinds of things. And where he was believing something about himself that even though he was no longer hearing that person say it to him, it was still replaying in his thoughts. Yes. And two years, decades later, until yep. he realized, I've been believing a lie. Yes. And when I think about that, I think of that as a belief system as well. Mm -hmm. Because somebody is literally believing something about their life and they're making decisions about it, right? They're making decisions on these yeah. things based on a false system. Yes. And that's, that's powerful stuff. That's mm -hmm. stuff that, that changes people's lives all the time. And it's cool to meet and talk with people who are in this life with a calling to help people to help facilitate that in people's lives it's like we yeah. can't do it ourselves you know we can we can be we can be a, a vessel for the message and we can share these messages with people and it can be a part of somebody getting to that realization where they go you know what i have not been believing something correctly about myself yeah that i'm not good enough to deserve anything like there's something wrong with me i should just expect crap the rest yeah. of my life. Yeah. And I do believe that there are many, too many people out there with that belief system in their head. And I'm thankful that there are people out there like you, Kim, shining light on other people who are helping others because oh. of love. Yeah. And yeah. That's the cool thing about it, man. Everybody's got to make a living. Yeah. No doubt about it. Got to do that. You know, that's called responsibility. That's called adulthood. Yeah. yeah. How you do it and what you do it with is is those are choices and it's cool to meet people like you man thank you yeah. very much kim, kim oh, i want to give you if you want to if you want to say anything to anybody if you got anything coming up or just anything you want to say man yeah just well you know my, my two passion projects around the medical cannabis world is uh jack's garage uh you know likely best going to our website and you can be fed to where you can found it which is uh jacksgaragedocdoc.com so jacksgaragedoc.com uh it's uh, now on amazon prime in the us available around the world on vimeo on demand uh it's going to go online in over 125 countries on amazon I'm, i know it's not on canada yet but it will hopefully by the time this airs uh, so that's great so just check out jack and and may, there might be you know it's a beautiful story uh, as well and so is mend with dignity uh the story of rob Mayhe Sr. and Gary Pallister and a whole bunch of other incredible people up in Meaford, Ontario. Uh, that website is mend, M-E-N-D-D-O-C.com. Uh, it's available on Vimeo. And Dem uh, no, sorry. Uh, Jack's Garage is not available on Amazon. It's men that's available on Amazon uh, and Vimeo On Demand. Uh, so go to the website to find that out. Um, you know, uh, and I will uh, be shaking all the uh, publicity trees when my book comes out and where the other stuff goes. Uh, yeah, my website's amazingaintit.com if you want to know about all my other world, my music. Uh, yeah, I have a band called the Bliss Monkeys, which is all about love. Uh, so check that out uh, and just, uh, you know, open your mind to the power of cannabis, um, you know, and find a way to empower yourself. If it works for you. Great. If not, uh, I hope you just enjoyed a conversation. And Miguel, I Thank you so much. I, I, I love your vibe and your energy. And I really love that you're talking about cannabis and spirituality and Christianity woven so seamlessly. Like to me, you're a, it's a groundbreaking thing. And I look forward to more conversations and wish you more success and love. Hey, thank you, Kim. I would be glad to have you back to do something for your book because, man, that's cool. I, I, you're a great storyteller, man. And thank you for your time. Thank cool. you very much for your time, sir. 
This is the Conversation Cannabis and Christianity podcast. My name is Miguel Torres. I'm your host, and our special guest is Kim Saltarski. You can check him out at www.amazing, A-M-A-Z-I-N-G, ain't, A-I-N-T, it, I-T, amazingainit.com. Check him out. You're going to find a bunch of stuff that you'll find of value. Thank you all very much. We love you.